and welcome to the American Patchwork and Quilting Podcast, a podcast aimed at making your quilting life more fun and creative while connecting with quilters just like you. Join the staff of the magazines you love for a great episode filled with tips and tricks. Enjoy! Hi, welcome to the American Patchwork and Quilting Podcast. I'm your host, Beth Peterson, and I'm so excited to welcome you to the show. Today, we have a really fun interview with Joanna Figueroa, owner of Fig Tree and Company. She started her company more than 20 years ago. She first worked in the quilting industry as a quilt shop employee, then sold finished quilts and other goods. After that, she traveled to teach quilting, then finally she became a fabric and pattern designer. She designs three collections per year for Moda Fabrics and is currently working on her 55th fabric line. Joanna now owns a pop-up shop that opens for seasonal events. She has been featured many times in the pages of American Patchwork and Quilting through the years, so when she wanted to work with us to explore modern versus traditional quilting, we were thrilled. In each 2024 issue of American Patchwork and Quilting magazine, she's inviting a modern quilter to join her in making a quilt based on the same classic block. Then she also has a conversation with each guest designer about their definition of modern quilting, so we wanted to chat with her and get her perspective. First, we'll chat a little bit about her background, and then we'll get into more specifics about the designer challenge. Thanks for joining us today, Joanna. Why don't you give a little bit of background on yourself and how you got started quilting? Well, I'm very happy to be here today. Um, I started quilting a little bit by happenstance. My husband and I um, were newly married, and I we had just exited from like a really emotionally um, taxing job. And I was looking for something simple to do on my own. And I walked into my local quilt shop, which was like in a, in an indoor mall, you know, we don't really have that many of those anymore, but it was just, it's random, like a place I'd passed by a million times before. And I thought, what the heck? I'll walk inside and I'll see. I love fabric. And um, I'd been collecting vintage quilts, but I'd never considered um, you know, actually making them. And I walked in and I asked them if they had a drop-in class. And they said, yes, we do. And I said, great, sign me up. Well, their version of a drop-in class was that they basically gave you a spot and there was a machine there. And that's it. So I bought a book and I made my first quilt. So it didn't turn out so well, but I was hooked anyway. It was a log cabin, um, which is actually kind of funny given that we just did this log cabin here. But um, I didn't read far enough in the book or I didn't pay attention to realize that I needed to cut the pieces to a certain size and then add them. So I just basically would add a strip, chop it off, add a strip, chop it off, add a strip, chop it off, which, you know, might sound like, well, you know, that's okay. Except that not a single one of the blocks matched another single one of the blocks when I was done because <laughs> I just kind of, you know, went and chopped. So I had to basically do a lot of machinations at the end. And I laugh because recent, not recently, but when I was a, uh, an employee in a quilt shop, they had, there was several of us who were, ended up being designers and they did, um, a first, show us your first ugly kind of, you know, this, and then show us your latest work. And I went in to search for that quilt and I found it. And I was like, oh, there's no way that I'm showing this in public. And I went and found my second quilt, which was like a little rail fence, but it actually, you know, and not anything beautiful by any means, but at least it looked like a quilt, whereas that first one, I mean, I, I've kept it, you know, just as a reminder, but it's never, I'm never going to show it as my first. It was pretty, it was pretty bad. Well, everyone has to start somewhere. <laughs> yes, that's true. Yeah, it was pretty bad. <laughs> so what is your favorite part of quilting or maybe your least favorite? Um, I think that my favorite part is picking out the fabric cutting it and organizing it. That sounds kind of funny because that's the part that like people hate. Um, and I do love the process of like watching that first block come together. But to be completely honest, like I lose interest somewhere in the midst of it, right? I'm I'm so like, I've already visualized the whole head, the whole quilt in my head. 
I already know what I want it to look like. I already, I work a lot of times in EQ. So I've already gone through like 80 renditions of the same quilt before I decided on the one that I actually want to make. And so like, I've gone through the process in my head. Um, yeah. So I think my favorite part of the whole thing is picking out the fabrics, deciding on the color palette, and then cutting. I know it's really funny. I'm I'm pretty sure that I'm probably the only one out. Well, maybe not the only one out there, but. Yeah, I don't hear often that people like the cutting part, but I do understand that excitement of getting started. And yeah. kind of when you're in the middle of the project and doing the same thing over and over again, it does get yeah. a little hard to just continue seeing that through. Yeah, I get questions a lot of times on our patterns. People are like, well, could you tell me how to make it in a queen or how could I make it in a king? And I say, honestly, I think I've made one queen sized quilt in my life. It's kind of, it's not how I decorate in, you know, in terms of like on my bed, I just have a neutral quilt on there and then I add something on the end. But so I don't feel the need for myself to make bed size quilts. So almost all of my quilts are, I would say large lap and to twin probably, um, probably also because of the same kind of thing of, there's no way I would want to make the block a hundred times. You know, okay. So you... short attention span. <laughs> <laughs> so when you're decorating with your quilts, then do you usually put them, you know, as a throw or what, what do you like to do with those? Yeah. So I love, so all of our beds, um, I mean, that's not, wasn't always true with the kids, but um, all of our beds now um, have a neutral cream or ivory coverlet or quilt on them. And then I decorate, all of the beds with a quilt at the foot of the bed so that I can kind of change it out a lot of times, a quilt draped over the bed frame and then pill like coordinating pillows. So I'll trade out seasonal pillows. I love to make pillows that, you know, coordinate with whatever quilts I'm going to bring out. And that's how I, I like the more neutral backdrop. And then I like to add the color and the season or the, you know, kind of what I'm trying to, to do in the room. But I don't like necessarily the whole, you know, the whole bed covered in one, in one thing. So, yeah. I love that. I think that is a really nice way to do it because then you can switch it out so often. Yeah. And I love to switch it out. So it, it, it's like an immediate, it's like an immediate redo of the whole room. You know, I took out, like I just finished because I just took out the Christmas ones, put in, like some springy and I added like two springy colored pillows and all of a sudden the entire room feels, you know, feels different. So I like that. Great way to refresh the the decor. Definitely. So you are also a fabric designer and how do you go about starting to design a line or where do you find that inspiration? Um, That's a great question. I, um, for me, so I've kind of come up with, um, with like a term for myself. So when I am with other designers or over the years, I realized that there's kind of different camps. There's the designers that um, use almost all reproduction fabrics for their, you know, that's kind of the, on the most traditional side. And then there's designers who paint out or draw out every single one of their, of their, their artwork. And then there's the designers who do everything on the computer, right? And most designers are kind of firmly in their, in their camp, right? Or in there, that's kind of their process. And over the years, I've realized that I like to do a little bit of all three. And so uh, part of what I feel like maybe sets my fabrics apart a little bit or gives me that fig tree look anyway, that a lot of people say they can identify is it has a little bit of all three of those. Um, I'm not a fine artist, so I can't paint out, you know, the, a beautiful cabbage rose. That's not my skill set. I love, I've always loved to doodle and do lots of little things. So a lot of the small prints are hand drawn by me and then colored. Um, and then I do a lot of like the little geometrics and things like that on the computer. So I love to, to do all three in my collections. The color for me always comes first. I'm always, I pull the palette, I have like two gigantic buckets of solid swatches and paint chips and all the Moda Bella solids and kind of all of the different, like my little, my palette. And I'll pull 
different combinations and I'll lay them all out and like it I mean it looks like an explosion on you know on my studio floor when I'm designing a new line but it's color always comes first and then as I slowly kind of put together the palette as I'm thinking of that then designs start to, or like the feel of the line kind of starts to like you know come together in my brain whether it's going to be a little bit more um folly or a little bit more springy or if it's going to be maybe a little bit more towards the traditional florals that I want to you know show with these colors or if this happens to be a line that's going to be a little bit more where I draw more of the things myself and it's going to have like text prints and you know little geometrics and stuff like that so the color always first for me um and again that I know that that's not always true for designers either right so some people start with the patterns that they want to do and then they bring in the color second so for me color is always it's kind of it's it's the same with the quilts so both the quilts and the fabric for me color comes first yeah you tend to seem like you use more of a kind of a soft palette is would you say that's right yeah so like when I started um gosh a long time ago 20 I don't know. I probably should have counted before I started talking to you today. But when people ask me, well, how many design, you know, fabrics have you? I was like, I don't know. I have to go count them on my website um, or how. And then this is actually it's funny because, you know, even I do this with my own age. It's like, how old are you? I was like, OK, hold on. I was born in that makes me, you know, so I, I it's 20 plus years. But when I started designing, there wasn't much in the way of kind of that this middle palette and feel that a lot of people are now working in it was very traditional and then there were art quilts um and you know kind of brights and batik the batiks were very popular but i wanted um i wanted something that was traditional feeling but with the colors that i wanted to decorate with and work with and you know that i loved and so when i started working people would say, oh, well, that's pastel. And I was like, no, it's definitely not pastel for me. Um, for me, pastel is like, you know, light pink and light blue and light, you know, kind of. So I kind of felt like I needed to come up with a name for it because I was constantly trying to like explain to people, well, no, it's not this and no, it's not that. So I kind of coined the term fresh vintage because and we used to have like a publication that we did like a little magazine that was called that too. Um, it was kind of like how I saw the palette. It was, you know, inspired by um, by vintage, but it was fresh. So, so that's kind of like what I always, when I lecture like guilds and stuff like that, I always explain the name of my, the feel that I'm going for as fresh vintage. So that's kind of the, and it definitely is what, um, like from what you asked, it's definitely on the softer, on the softer side, but I do love pops of brighter color for me, bright you know it's it's probably not bright for other people but for me it's you know pops of brighter color the name of your business is fig tree and company where did the name come from yeah my my dad before me i mean well before we started a business when my dad when we came here from poland he owned his own business for a long time and i had remembered sitting down at some point when i was a teenager and he said okay we need a new name for the company. It needs to have this many letters. It needs to have this. It needs to have this. I want it to sound like this. And we brainstormed and I'd always remembered that. And so when it came time to name our business, we knew it wanted, we wanted it tied to us in some way. And my last name is Figueroa. Um, and so we kind of played with that and came up with fig tree. Um, and it's people are like, oh, do you love the fruit? I was like, actually in my family, I'm the only one who will eat a fig. No one else likes them. And they, you know, they were like, what is like, no, my husband's name was basically people called him fig growing up all the time. He was just, Hey fig. And so we, you know, we needed something to go with fig. And so it became fig tree. Um, when we first had a little side business, when I first started, we had, it was called figlets. Um, it's when I sold like little finished products and pillows and little mini quilts. And so it, um, those were kind of the two, but it, it became fig tree as a, just basically a part of our name. Yeah, that's just so cute. I love that. Thanks.
Since you design three fabric lines per year, you must have to store a lot of fabric. So what's your favorite method to store all that fabric? Um, yeah, it is a lot of fabric. I store everything where I can see it. I If I put... I know a lot of people spend a lot of energy and time and money and deck, you know, in um in organizing things wonderfully organized into plastic bins and storage systems. And for me, if I put it in a bin, I'm never gonna use it. Unless it's seasonal. So I do have like some, you know, some Christmas that I kind of put away and I know I'm only really gonna look at that, you know, at a certain time of the year. But other than that, I store it all by color so when a, when a collection first comes in for me it kind of is by itself um stacked in a little you know in the yardage that i receive um on the floor closest to where i'm working and it's kind of there and i can see it like i'm looking at you know one right now and it's the whole collection so that i can see it all together and while we're working with it it'll stay there and then as soon as i'm done with it it will get incorporated into the colors but i have multiple bookshelves in my um in my sewing space that are all by color all the fabric is seen i need to be able to touch it pull it out look at it so i don't know if i mean i'm sure that there are other people out there like me too but i know that for me i have to be able to see it and touch it to use it and so the second i put it in a bin um i might as well just donate it because i know i'm probably never you know I, I won't look at it again for 10 years and i'll be like oh I put this away 10 years ago. Out of sight, out of mind, right? 100%. Yeah. So how about fabric scraps? What's your method for keeping and storing those? Um, so that's a little, um, I do have that organized sometimes, sometimes, um, in a couple of different buckets by size or by color. Um, and honestly, I used to save every single scrap. And designing three collections, and for me, my collections are almost always 40 pieces. Um, sometimes they're, you know, in the 30s. But if you do a little math, that's a lot of fabric. And then, you know, I'll get extra, I'll buy extra bolts of my own collections that I know I want to use, you know, in backings or have for kits or things like that. So if I saved all of my scraps all the time, it, it would be, yeah, I would drown. I would drown in the fabric. So I keep only the bigger ones now, stuff that I know I'm going to, you know, we're working on making a sample for something and I know I'm going to use it as we're working on something new or um, one of the only times that I really get to work outside of one specific fabric collection is for something like a magazine feature or if I'm working on a book because otherwise it's specific to that fabric collection. So a lot of times my scraps don't get utilized in the same way that they do for, you know, for other people. So the a lot of scraps these days, we actually sell scrap bags and it's a mix of all the extra stuff that I know is going to sit there and taunt me, but I'm never going to do anything with it. So we pass them along to people who love, you know, all the little, all the little doohickeys there that they can get in one bag. So, so I'm probably not your best, um, you know, you're not your best source of scrap organizing because I don't use them as much as I did when I had less of them, if that makes sense. I I feel the same way. I mean, you can only keep so many things. Yes, so you have to prioritize. You have to know what you're actually going to use and then make space for those things and then move on everything else. Yeah. You also worked in and taught classes in a quilt shop for several years, and now you own a pop-up quilt shop. So what was or is your favorite part of working at a quilt shop? Um, so I was, yeah, I was an employee for a long time. And my favorite part of being in a quilt shop, funny enough, was, well, I guess not funny enough. It makes sense, I guess, was picking out the color palette for people. So people would, it was, you know, I, I'm sure this happens in every quilt shop, but Every every single shift I worked, people would come in and they'd see a picture of something or they'd want to recreate something and they wouldn't know where to start at all. And I know that it's one of you know, my um, my best friend used to always call it like our superpower. Like we all have a superpower that we think, oh, well, everybody could do that. It's easy. Right. And uh, that's kind of how it felt for me. 
was, well, there's the picture. Just go pick the, you know, and it's completely something that many people can't, they get overwhelmed. They can't even start. They don't know where to go. And that was 100% my favorite part was walking around the store, depending on the customer. Sometimes they were like, you go do that. I'm just going to sit right here at the cutting table and chat. And others who would want to walk around with me and picking the bolts up off the, you know, out of the shelves and creating like, you know, a gigantic stack on the cutting table or multiple stacks of, okay, well, here's the palette. And this is how, you know, it could look and you would want to use this here. And the so that was for sure my favorite my favorite part um, of being in a quilt store and is probably still. So when I'm working now and like coming up with something for a new kit or for a bundle or, you know, looking on our shelves and saying, okay, this is what we have. And we do like these things called Friday bundles where we put, and literally I'll just look around and be like, okay, we need to pull 12 fabrics and it needs to look good together. And this is what I've got. And I love that process of pulling things and going, mm, no, and putting things back. And so that was always my favorite part. And I guess it's, it still is. It still is my favorite part. It's like a palette. It's like, it's like being a kid with a crayon, you know, except that each crayon has like 15 colors in it, you know, and each, I don't know. Yeah. I love that part. So if you were going to pick 12 fabrics out, do you have some type of formula that you're looking for as far as like print scale or tone or anything that you can think of? Not really, because in a bundle, depending on you know what it's for, like yesterday, we just put together like a little bundle that's all little springy florals because we kind of felt like, gosh, it's raining everywhere and it's snowing everywhere. And we're just kind of dreaming of spring. And I bet you so are a bunch of other people, right? So it's not a nut, that bundle of 12 or maybe that one was 15, I can't remember, but it's not enough for the whole quilt, right? Of something, but it sure wouldn't, could inspire. And you would just, you know, you could add a couple solids to it or a couple geometrics or something else for a very successful. So in the bundle itself, I don't ever feel like, I need to pick all that you would need, you know, for an entire, because I'm not necessarily picking it towards a pattern. I'm just picking something that feels like evokes a certain feeling and that, or color palette. Um, so I don't really have a formula for the bundles. I feel like when I'm designing, I kind of have a formula in my head of kind of what I want to see in terms of like kind of what I was talking about before with, you know, scale and, um, the, the mix of like the more geometrics and the florals and, you know, I like all the little insy bitsy, the fillers that we all need to make a successful quilt. So I feel like there I have a lot more of kind of a formula in my brain than I do when I'm just like picking a bundle that just looks happy together, if that makes sense. Okay. So that's going more on a feeling. So you're just creating a feeling with all those yeah. fabrics. Okay. Yeah. I think that's probably a good way of describing it. I love that. Do you also design your own quilt patterns and have designed more than 300? What do you think makes a good quilt pattern? Gosh, that's a really hard question for me to answer because I feel like there's so many different successful ways to approach that. You know, you could you could want to just focus on a couple of solids and do huge blocks and it could be a successful pattern. You could want to go totally scrappy and use 50 fabrics and lots of little pieces and have a successful pattern and everything in between. So I think there's just, again, kind of like what we were just saying, the feeling part, you know, it's like, do you want it to feel kind of fresh and crisp and and like do you want to look at the pattern and say immediately go wow that's like such a striking design or do you want to look at the pattern and feel oh wow that feels warm and like it came from my grandma's attic you know or I look at a pattern and feel a season immediately like oh well look at those sailboats and that light blue background right it makes me feel like I'm at the beach so um I feel like there's so many different ways for me an assignment is actually like super helpful because otherwise I just get lost in my 
design brain. You know, it's like design new, you know, five new patterns. Oh, Lordy. Right. I mean, sometimes I just get completely like that. I get stuck because there's just too many. But if someone says to me, you know, design a pattern, it has to be, you know, it has to use these three colors. And I, you know, want it to be big, easy blocks. That kind of an assignment is super like the structure of it is super helpful for me um, because it just kind of it like it focuses me in a way that, you know, I can kind of throw out the 500 ideas and just be left with like 50. <laughs> so, yeah, that's um, so I don't think I really have a good answer for something specific, you know, for what makes a good pattern. All, uh, the one thing I would say is that over the years, we laugh that if we only had a crystal ball of what would be the most popular pattern out of any set or out of any season or out of any, I would say, I don't think I've ever, I mean, maybe this is, you know, not totally accurate over the years, but I would say I seldom can look at a group of new patterns that I'm going to release and say, that's the one that people are going to love. And these other ones are going to be okay, but that's going to be the one. It's almost, it's really hard to predict what's going to be a, you know, a people favorite. Yeah. We find that with the magazine patterns too. We're always like, yeah, right. Oh, that one. Okay. <laughs> I mean, I like it, but right. just, you just, sometimes people just like grab onto it and then just embrace it. Right. Isn't that fascinating? And yeah. you kind of want to wonder, you, you wish you could do like a little, um, you know, like a little survey. Okay. What was it? What was this thing? But And so you kind of touched on this a little bit, but as you're designing your patterns and you've got your line of fabric and you're selecting which of the fabrics you're going to use, is there a guideline you keep in mind? I think you touched on it a little bit, but. um, Yeah, I think that Probably the most important thing in deciding what fabric to use in what kind of a pattern or what kind of a um, a quilt is is scale, um, and possibly the place where people get stuck the easiest, because just because you love a huge large floral doesn't mean it's going to look good cut up into little pieces, right? You're going to lose the design a lot of times and vice versa. Um, just because you love a, a color of a, a print doesn't mean that it isn't going to look totally overwhelming in a large scale because it's too simple or too monochromatic or too something, right? So I, I think that scale is probably if like, if someone were, you know, forced me to say, what would be one thing that you would want people to think about or to, you know, to really focus on when they're working on a new quilt is I would say, pay attention to the scale of the fabric that you're and where you're putting it. Um, and so that it matches, you know, so that the scale matches where you're putting it in the, in the quilt. I, when I teach, um, I teach like I, when I do a, I do guild lectures a lot and I do a whole little presentation on how to use fabrics and kind of like what we're talking about now. And um, like a, a large floral when, when it's an inspiration piece, ye, one of the things that I learned by mistake, you know, kind of, you know, by trial and error is that when you fall in love with what something looks like. So a lot of times in our head, we're inspired either by a quilt or by a piece of fabric or by, um, pottery or wall, you know, wrapping paper or a print we saw on a skirt or just something, something draws us into that palette. And when we try to then bring that over to a quilt, if we don't bring the same proportion of what it was that inspired us in the first place, the outcome is not necessarily going to be what we're looking for. Does that make sense? Um, so like my famous, like in my head, this example of I, I have this plate, this ceramic plate that I, it's a vintage piece from a flea market that I loved and I fell in love with it. And I thought to myself, I want to make a quilt like this. And so I picked the colors to the colors in the plate and I made a quilt and it was fine, but it totally didn't feel like what I wanted it to feel like. And I studied and I looked at it and I realized, well, what I loved about the plate is that it had this huge border of this wonderful green chartreuse color. And when I put that 
color in the quilt, I only put it in little pieces and mixed it up with a bunch of other stuff. What I should have done is I should have made a green border, kind of like on the quilt, to kind of keep the proportion the same, if that makes sense. Um, so it's kind of along the same lines as the scale of stuff. I feel like it's the easiest way to kind of get to go wrong, right? Or to go down a path where you're like, why is this not working, right? It's because the scale's not not where it should be. Yeah, I found myself falling in love with those big florals all the time. And then you yeah. try to put them in most quilt patterns and it just doesn't work as well because you I... don't see that gorgeous big flower. You need a big chunk of that, um, you know, cut to make it have that impact. Totally agree. Yeah, and you could use that big, beautiful floral and chop it up successfully in like, a scrappy quilt where a bunch of little things in it, the one fabric will end up looking like you've put 20 different fabrics in there, right? Because every little piece will be a tiny bit different. Um, but it, it won't look, you won't see the floral. You'll just only be using it for the palette. Mm -hmm. hey, it looks like you design a lot of pre-cut friendly patterns. Do you have a favorite pre-cut size or one that you use the most often? I remember when Moda first introduced the jelly roll. And I think my first pre-cut pattern was with the jelly roll because we were presented with it and we, you know, they, they were, they gave us kind of an assignment of, okay, if everybody could design with this new thing that we're calling a jelly roll, we were like, a what? Um, and I loved the jelly roll then for a while, kind of, I would say it was my favorite, but I think it's easily been surpassed by the layer cake. Because I feel like it's it's harder to figure out and to use the two and a half inch strip. I still love it and I still love it for the challenge and, you know, ways to put it together and then cut it apart into interesting ways and make it look like it doesn't look like it came from a jelly roll. But a layer cake, I feel like, is so much more versatile for me. And so if I have the choice um, for a pre-cut, I would definitely say at this point it's a layer cake. It gives you enough of a piece of fabric, you know, those 10 inches gives you enough to really be able, there's a lot you can do with that in terms of a block. Um, but it's, it's not so much that, and then you kind of, you know, you have to repeat it in all of the other different 10 inches in the pack. So yeah, I guess I'd say a layer cake. Okay. It sounds like you're very busy. So how do you make time for your own personal projects or do you? <laughs> Yeah, that's a, that's a tough one. Um, I d don't sew a lot for myself, just for me. Um, like I would make time to sew for, you know, for quote for me when I knew that my kids wanted something or when my daughter was little, it was really easy to design, you know, little kid things, little dresses and things like that, and then make patterns of them. But first, you know, it's like something that she would want to wear. And so we did that a lot then, um, or more boy quilts that the boys wanted or something like that. So that was like a, that was an inspiration for me of, okay, I want to do something for myself, you know, that was kind of for the kids, but the kids are all grown now. And, you know, it's been a long time since any of them have wanted to wear anything that I made. <laughs> um, so it's actually, it's actually a discipline, like, I have to decide that I'm going to sew for me. And like, I'm, I think I alluded to this before working on a magazine project or working on a book project where I can kind of pick from anything is a refreshing change of pace for me. Now, you know, I'm not complaining. I love my job and I love, you know, working with the new fabric that I design. Don't get me wrong at all. At the same time, I love to kind of, you know, pick and choose and go back to my favorites that are still my favorites from, you know, that I designed 10 years ago and put some of that in something or use something or or work on something very seasonal that's not necessarily. And that's the other thing, too, right? As a fabric designer, we're working and designing like a year in advance or, you know, off even, you know, not necessarily in the season that we're in at all. And so sometimes, I mean, I know designers who literally bring out some of their Christmas decorations and put on Christmas carols when they're designing, you know, like a Christmas collection and they're working in May, right? To like help channel the vibe. And I totally, I laugh, but I totally get that. 
Um, so I think, um, yeah, I have to like, I have to decide and make time to work on something just for myself. I'm, I'm have committed. See, now I'm going to put it out here. Now I'm going to have to do it. I have a quilt that I designed a long time ago that was one of my favorites. It's called Jumping Jacks. It's like a Union Jack pattern. And it was destroyed. Like my husband tried to wash it and he changed, he put the wrong, uh, he was supposed to put fat something in there that was going to set the fabric. And he used like, the, I can't remember which one it is now, the Synthropol or the other one. Anyway, it bleached it out completely. It destroyed the quilt. He felt so bad. And I was like, that was one of my favorites. We would use it all the time. And that year I cut out and started the blocks to create a new one. I picked my favorite florals. I'm probably embarrassed to tell you how many years ago that has been. I'm looking at the blocks because I pulled them out to do them this year. So now that I've put this out here, I have to finish that. I am giving myself the whole year because who knows when it's actually going to happen. But I am going to do that quote this year. Famous well, it's good to know the pros also have UFOs too. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. Uh, do you have a general organizing tip or something you found works well for you? Organizing things by color, like we talked about before, is very important for me because if I kept everything kind of, you know, by collection, I know people who organize their things by like by style or by collection. And that, unless it's something that's like the immediate one that I'm working with, I want to see all of the different prints I have in that color. So organizing things by color is really important for me. Um, I like little buckets of things and like little cubbies of things where it's the same, like just visually, I think it's my little part of me that's OCD. You know, I, I want to see whatever's inside. I want to see the same thing, like, you know, repeated and then visually put things inside. So I like like the same thing in in like a little group or a row. So I'll have like a row of these little canvas buckets for Moda, right? Or I'll have cubbies or I'll buy like at the, you know, like at the dollar um, section of Target, you know, if I'll see a cute little container, I'll buy like 10 of them or five of them or something and organize things in them so that they all, it just feels like I'm corralling the chaos somehow. <laughs> If the containers all look the same, like my dream is to organize my pantry like that one of these days, nothing okay. to do with quilting, but you know, matching containers, yes. very neat items yeah. in there. Yes. Yes. You have it like that or you want to, I have it a little bit like that. A little, a little bit. bit. <laughs> I try. Yeah. I dream. I dream of that. We're going to take a quick ad break and be back with Joanna shortly. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Welcome back. Well, great. Let's move on to talking about the Designer Challenge feature story. So the first challenge was in the February 2024 issue of American Patchwork and Quilting. And you touched on this a little bit, but it was the ever classic log cabin block. And Alexia Marcel Abeg took on the modern version. So this is such a fun conversation. And I think it's so interesting to hear what different designers think about modern versus traditional. And you said earlier you defined your style as fresh vintage. So what does that mean to you? Um, so what it means to me is that when I started quilting, I and I still, I'm still completely inspired by and drawn to and collect and love vintage quilts. And I, it's amazing to me the designs and the blocks and that women dreamt up so long ago that we're all using today, all of us, right? Depend regardless of how we interpret them and how we change them and alter them and um, are inspired by them, we're using them. And they didn't have any of the technology. They didn't have any of the, you know, the, the variety of, of palette 
and everything else that we have. Um, so I'm deeply inspired by and love to work with uh, vintage blocks. As I try, as I was starting out, I quickly realized that so many of them were made with templates or were made with method, you know, with Y seams and methods that are really difficult for a lot of beginning or in even intermediate cultures to tackle. And so, um, and they were made in, in palettes and in darker colors and in more, um, and I don't mean this in a bad way, just, you know, what we call muddy, muddy um, colors, you know, colors that are way more toned down and have a darker under, um, you know what I mean? Mm -hmm. Um, so I kind of, two things, I kind of wanted to bring the pattern into today's world. Like, okay, let, there's got to be easier ways mathematically. Um, I've got like a, you know, a, a math brain, even though I didn't love math growing up. And I, you know, I, quilty math kind of comes naturally to me. So I, I wanted to bring the, the pattern and the design into methods that people could easily reproduce. And I wanted to bring the colors, brighten them up and bring them into much more of a, you know, in today's day, even though I still very much saw myself and see myself as a, as a traditional, as a traditional culture. So that's kind of the fresh vintage. That's kind of where that name, I felt like it kind of married the, those things together pretty well. It is really surprising how a very traditional quilt looks so different, even if you just change to a modern fabric. Totally. And I think I've been surprised a little bit by, um, I mean, I don't know what I expected, you know, in terms of the conversation, this conversation of, I think that sometimes, um, you know, what, what gets, what, what's out there is that we see ourselves as so different, right? There's the modern camp and the traditional camp, and then there's the art quote. And you kind of think, oh, people must have really very strongly held thought systems about, you know, how this is this and this is something else, right? And so I think maybe I expected some of that. Um, but I feel like what we're finding out in the conversation with the designers, I mean, we're only like, you know, it, we're just now starting the second one, right? But we've already talked to a few more after, right? Um, is that most modern designers see themselves, they're kind of surprised almost by the, like the modern label and surprise might not be the right word, but they see it very much as a continuum and they're very much inspired by traditional um, and love traditional and just see things with a twist or so I think I've been surprised by the fact that the continuum seems like we we really have so much and people all seem to agree. I think Alexia said this. She I think she's what does she call it? Like siblings that there were siblings or we're like I'm, um, you know, in the same family and we can appreciate the, you know, how we are different and how we're the same. And I thought that was such a great, um, I always kind of thought of it as a continuum, but I love the sibling analogy, right? Mm -hmm. That we're in the same family and we're, you know, we're very similar in some ways. And then there's some things about us that make us unique and different. So I, um, yeah, I've been, I've been surprised by that continuum thought that mo many of us seem to be, uh, we, we seem to agree. I thought there would be a lot more disagreement than agreement or disagreement's the wrong word, right? I thought that there would right. be a lot differences. more differences yeah. than not. And I'm finding the opposite Okay. in the conversations, which is kind of lovely. Well, at the end of the day, we're all just cutting fabric up and re-sewing it back. I know. Right? <laughs> That was one of the things that my dad said to me when I first started, he was an engineer and he kind of, you know, he tried to understand so much and he like listened, would listen and listen. And then one day he like had me explain it all to him again. He looked at me and he said very earnestly, he said, so basically you cut a bunch of fabric up and then you sew it all back together. And I said, basically, that's what we do. Yep. <laughs> so for most of the issues, you're going to take on the traditional quilt, but you will be taking on the modern quilt in one of them. So do you think you'll approach designing that differently than the previous quilts? I'm actually tackling that right now in my brain and in the fabric. So I um, I think I've 
narrowed it down to I'm going to play with size of block. And so I think, you know, there's like, there are a kind of different families of, you know, and, and we touched upon this a little bit in some of the conversations with the, with the modern designers. Um, like you already said, changing the color can almost immediately make a traditional quilt feel quite modern by changing nothing else. Um, changing scale, uh, making something tiny or making something huge, right? And it, looking at it basically in a in a different way than most people tend to look at it is another way. And so I think I'm playing, I'm going to play with that way um, and work on something in a scale that perhaps I wouldn't use for that particular block. So that's kind of, that's where I'm going right now. Who knows if that's where I'll end up, but that's where I'm going right now. It's, as you said, it's a continuum. It's an evolution. So you're thinking yes. through this and kind of, you know, there's probably multiple stops on the way to the final design. Yes, true. So for somebody who maybe wants to try a different style of quilt or a new color palette, how do you suggest like breaking out of that comfort zone? Um, so fabric is is probably the easiest and most accessible way to do that. So you could even um, work on a pattern that you've already made before and that you love in whatever style you're working in um, and go to your local quilt shop and find a palette. And if you feel like you're not up to, you know, to picking it yourself, ask for their help, right? Say, hey, I want to try something, you know, I want to try something modern for the first time. Um, help me pick a palette that, you know, I like this color, right? Or I like this color family, or I like this designer maybe. Um, so get so don't be afraid to ask for help, even if you've always picked your own fabrics. Um, you're kind of branching out, right? So I would, um, so maybe even, so choosing a pattern that you've already done that you like you're, and just changing up the color palette first would be probably the most simple way and see if you like the result, right? It's just one quilt. So, you know, if you, at the end you're like, oh yeah, okay, I'm going to donate that. <laughs> That's okay, <laughs> right? It's okay. It'll have been a learning experience and you'll know a lot more about you know, what you like and how that worked out. But I feel like that's probably the easiest, the easiest place to start. Mm -hmm. I, I've experimented with that a little bit where I'm yeah. typically a little more bright. So I like aquas, you know, and I thought I need to do something a little different. So I did a black and white with pops of red and it just was so completely different. <laughs> and yes, at the end, I kind of was like, yeah, I don't know if this yeah. is my favorite and it doesn't fit anywhere in my house, you know, so that now I kind of understand, oh, this is probably why I was picking these colors. Yeah, there was a reason, so, right? Like, yeah, they go really nicely in my house. And this one yeah. does not. Does not. This yep. is going to be a gift. <laughs> yep. Yeah. And someone will love it. Absolutely. Right. Yeah, so. Yeah. Well, we're so excited to continue this feature and I love seeing the different takes on the classic block. So the next one is April 2024 issue and that's going to be on sale soon. So um, actually by Any the time day. this goes up, it will be on sale. Yeah. And um, Allison Glass is taking on the modern and you guys both did the weather vane block. Yeah, it was like it was like another example again of how. I mean, I think this is obvious, I guess, if you really think about it, it's going to look totally different. But what I've loved so far is when you guys show them right next to each other and you, you know, like I just saw proofs for another one that you guys are, you know, are working on. And I just, and I love, it's the same block and it's the same block and looks like almost un un unidentifiable as the same block, which I just, I love. Yeah, I know. When you kind of look at it, you're like, is it? Wait, is that the same? Is that really? Yeah. <laughs> well, great. We'll wrap up with some rapid fire questions. So do you have a most used notion? My navy blue Ulfa rotary cutter. Navy blue specifically, is it just your, you just like that color? Isn't that so funny? I have four different colors in my box and Every time I'll pick the navy one, I couldn't even explain that to you. I'm not even a navy gal. Like it's not even. Uh, yeah, I love it. I prefer my aqua one personally. Well, there you go. I have one. Same. I have that one too. <laughs> navy, navy for me. Do you have any pets who like to assist you in your sewing room? 
we have Simba the cat who's actually been trying to get into my studio the entire time I've been talking to you. And I closed the door because he's technically not allowed up here because I don't want cat hair all over everything. So he's allowed in my office where there's a lot less fabric and just more, you know, all my other equipment. But he's not allowed in here. But the second that I close the door and he knows that I'm up here, he literally I have like French doors that are so I can see him. And he's like hits his paw trying to get in, but he's not allowed in. My cat is the same way. We'll see her little <laughs> paw underneath the door. <laughs> Absolutely. Same. Do you have something on your quilting bucket list other than the, the quilt that you're working on, the, the Union Jack quilt? I do. I have hexes that I experimented for the first time in my quilting career a couple of years ago. And I was so intimidated by them. And I thought, this is going to be so hard. I'm not going to like it. And I loved making just a couple little hexes. And we just did recently, we partnered with an organization called One Common Thread, who works with women in Honduras. Um, and they create the hexes and they make the, so you can buy like little kits from them with the hexes already pre-basted. And they did a project with us for one of my subscriptions. And I have a pile of leftover, well, leftover. I kind of saved a pile of the hexes that didn't fit into the kits that we did. And so... We were going to make up some, you know, additional things. I was like, no, I'm keeping every single one of those hexes and I'm going to make a hexy quilt. That's see, again, I'm putting it out there, which means I now have to actually do it. So that's <laughs> on my, totally on my bucket list. OK, is there a skill that you want to learn more about or improve? I would love to learn how to crochet or knit or cross stitch. I have tried knitting and crocheting before. I've tried many times. I get stuck on the casting on. I always end up making it. Whatever I start to make, I make a trapezoid. I've been told to stick to what I know. My friends have told me, go back to quilting. This is just not for you. So maybe one day I will learn that, but it doesn't seem to be in the cards. <laughs> I have tried also. I would love to learn to knit and I don't know why. It just does not stick. Right? Yeah. Do you quilt your own quilts or send them to a long armor or a little bit of both? A little bit of both. Um, if it's small, so if it's a like a, a small table topper, a pillow, bags, tote bags, things like that, I'll quilt it on my own, just on my Bernina. Um, I love to use like an elongated a zigzag. That's the, literally it's just a zigzag that's on one of the biggest, widest settings. And with white thread or cream thread, it mimics the, um, and you just kind of do it slightly uneven, not uneven on purpose, but you don't pay that much attention to whether it's lining up. And then when, and then I spray it with water and it crinkles up a little bit. It literally looks like hand quilting. It's become one of the things that people ask me about so often. I did like a little YouTube tutorial on, this is really that simple. You All you need to be able to do is enlarge and elongate a zigzag. So almost all of my little items, pillows, tote bags and things like that, that's my go-to. On And then everything else other than that, I farm out to, I have a few favorite, uh, well, I have one custom um, quilter who's been quilting for me forever. And then um, a couple of favorite um, friends who do the, um, the edge you know, to edge. Edge to edge. Thank you. I was at a loss for words. And so, um, and I've really grown to love that as well for certain quilts. Um, I used to always have everything custom done back in the day. And um, I, I now am like, I will absolutely look at a quilt and decide, okay, this one really needs custom. And this really would look fantastic with, you know, a small traditional edge to edge design on it. So do you have a favorite quilting technique? I would say my favorite quilting or piecing, I guess, would be technique um, is what I call sew and flip. Some people call it stitch and flip, where you're basically avoid to avoid bias. You're working with, you know, rectangles and squares that you sew on the diagonal and you kind of, you know, you flip it out and then you trim all the stuff from the back. I, um, I, I yeah, I love that. I, I would say probably 90% of my patterns use that. I use it to make shapes and you know we've done I've done books with like all fruit and I've done um various seasonal shapes and I even on I mean I make flying geese that way I do you know the points of sawtooth so it is by far kind of that's my go-to my go-to method yeah yeah you can make a lot of different shapes just with that one method 100 yeah yeah 
What's your favorite season or holiday to make quilts for? It's a total toss up between Christmas and pumpkins. I know pumpkins is not a season, but pumpkins, Christmas or pumpkins. <laughs> <laughs> not Halloween. Pumpkins. Not Halloween necessarily, not fall, but like, you know, whether it's fall pumpkins or Halloween pumpkins or just pump, just pumpkins, orange and pumpkins. <laughs> I think we probably have like six or seven different pumpkin patterns. And I don't think I'm in danger of stopping anytime soon. Pumpkins. I do love a pumpkin pattern. I know, right? I do. (laughs) It sounds like you love anything antique or vintage. Do you have a favorite or best secondhand find? I mean, I definitely have a few things that I found that were one of those moments where you're thinking, how is it that you're only selling this for 10 bucks kind of a thing? Um, But like the one that started it all was I was it was that right before I started to learn how to quilt probably six months before that my husband and I had just moved to Pasadena and I love to thrift and you know go to garage sales and I went to a garage sale on a Saturday morning can't even remember if I was by myself or not and I saw this little baby quilt um with like a bubblegum pink background and with little wishbones like little you know um templated wishbones on it and I thought to myself, like, you know, you could like give that moment, like my heart is beating faster. And I casually walk up to the lady and say, how much is this? How much do you want for this? And she looked at it. She's like five bucks. And I'm like, you know, you're trying to be as calm and like mellow as you can. Oh, okay, great. I'll take it for five. And you're like pulling it out. And then you're like, this is a quilt. It's a vintage quilt. It's from the thirties. You don't know what you have. Um, And so it's so funny, even as I talk about it, I remember that moment. I remember what it looked like. And it's like a tiny quilt. And it's not in any of the color palettes that I like. I design within the house anymore. And it's not, but I have it. I love it. I treasure it. It kind of started, I feel like it started the whole, the whole thing. Well, yeah, you have to play it cool, you know. Absolutely do. Yeah. (laughs) And then when you get to the car, you can freak out about. Absolutely. (laughs) More recently, I almost got into a fight with someone. I mean, not physically a fight, but, you know, I was at a flea market and I was following, you know, flea market protocol or, you know, you you walk in and there's he had a a lot of these vintage German posters. And um, I love mushrooms. And one of them was all it was all mushrooms. And there was a lady standing next to it, next, next to the one. And she was looking at a floral one next to it and so I walked around her and I was careful to you know I was like I didn't touch the floral one and I went straight to the mushroom one which she was not looking at not touching in any way and I picked it up and the second that I picked it up and I asked the guy for the price she turned and she said well I was gonna look at that one it's mine and I was like "Mm, sorry I'm touching it you're not it's mine and she like looked at the guy and he was like uh she it's in her hand I don't know what to tell you and my husband and my son were with me and they were both like standing there going oh crap mom's about to like you know get into a fight with someone because she started to get a little verbally you know and I was like sorry you looking at the floral I'm looking at the mushrooms anyway it's hanging in my living room it's a vintage mushroom poster like um like cloth post you know I I love it well I'm glad that it worked out for in your favor. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> it's like you back away from my mushroom poster lady. It's always tricky at those estate sales and right? you have to be careful, you know, are, are, oh, are you looking at this? You know, oh, right. <laughs> you yeah. never know. <laughs> never know. Yeah. Name a favorite city or country that you've traveled to. So my family's from Poland, and so we go back and forth a lot. Um, everyone other than my parents and my sister are there. Um, my my grandparents have passed, so we don't go quite as often. But all my aunts and uncles and cousins. So, um, we're in Europe a lot because it always sounds like when I when someone asks me that, it sounds so bougie to say, "Well, I really love Paris, and I love Madrid, and I, you know, London's not bad either." But so I always feel like I need to explain. We go back there all the time, and then we try to, you know, like stop somewhere else on our way to visit family. So. I've been to Paris by myself many times and I absolutely love it. I don't do any of the touristy things. I don't go to any museums anymore. I don't go. I literally just walk around the streets and the mark, like the outdoor markets. That's all I do. And I don't speak a word of French other than, you know, hello and goodbye and thank you. 
And so I, if I go by myself, I literally don't speak, you know, I just, I walk around and just look. Um, and another place that we've gone several times on vacation is um, the Cotswolds, which is um, like a region right outside of London that has like, if you've ever seen online, it has like the little thatched roofs on the, that like today that they're still thatched today. It's like a whole people, you know, spend enormous amounts of money to keep those roofs functional and thatched and like the whole little regions and, and uh, villages have those, those thatched roofs and the, that whole area is called the Cotswolds. And I, uh, many a fabric collection has been inspired by that, by that region. Those are kind of my two, my two top favorites. Okay. At the markets in Paris, are there any fabric <sighs> finds or antiques or what do you bring home from there? Um, I, I don't like go to any of the fine antiques. I mean, I like find little, so we were just there. My son was coming back from uh, an abroad program and we basically met, you know, he came from Italy and he met us in Paris and we went for just like, we only had five days in our schedule or six days. Right. And people are like, you're going to Paris for five days. Why? And all right. My husband and I, our answer was like, well, it's either five days here or five days in Paris. Why not? Um, we, you know, traveled on points. And anyway, um, we went to Christmas markets for the first time. And that was like a whole different experience. But um, we happened upon the street flea market and I bought these silver spoons. It was like, you know, a set of six silver spoons. They don't match anything else that we have. And I've like, I've rev every day I revel. I don't want to use any of the other spoons that we have. I go to find my silver you know, it's all old and it's got like, you know, little scratches all over it and it's beautiful. It's got that kind of that color that only silver has, you know, it doesn't look like anything else in my drawer because that's just all stainless steel. And I, I love my set of, I kind of had to decide it was like $90 for, I think for six, for a set of six. And so I went back and forth like a dozen times. It's like, I spend $90 on six spoons. I mean, that's just stupid. And my husband at some point just looked at me and said, you're still talking about those spoons. I was like, I am. He's like, can you please just go get the spoons? I was like, okay, okay, okay. But I don't regret it for a minute. I have got my spoons. It sounds like it's like a perfect little luxury in your day when you get to use that beautiful spoon. Absolutely. Well, this has been so fantastic chatting with you. And where can our listeners find you on social media, blog? Where, where can um, you? Yeah, I, um, I have a blog. It's... um called fresh figs and it's just if you i think it's just you know my website and then blog is right after it or right before it i don't know the address off the top of my head i'm sure we'll you link could, to it yeah, yeah we'll link say. um of uh, uh, social media i'm i really only can do one social media well at a time i'd say instagram is my favorite just for me personally it's you know i post my photos and we have a very active um Facebook group that I invite anyone to join. What's come? We've always got sew alongs and things going on in there. We just finished. If people want to come look, we just finished like a month and a half long sew along with the log cabin quilt. And people have done so many different colors and styles and layouts. People are finishing their quilts right now. So it's there's there's just dozens and dozens and dozens of different. I I go on there every day to see you know new ones that they've finished up. And I'm trying to get a little bit more comfortable and active on YouTube. So I don't, I don't do it all the time, but I feel like I should. So I have planned, you know, a couple more tutorials and um, on patterns and other things this year. So those are kind of the three places, you know, or the three or four places where I would say you could come find me. Yeah. The Facebook group has been very fun. I love seeing all the different color combinations people right? are together on that log cabin. And have you seen any, have you seen any, there are several people have taken the modern uh, quilt layout, yeah. done it in traditional fabrics. And I've loved that. It wasn't even like, I didn't even think of that. And I've loved the outcomes of it. Yeah. So creative, just so creative um, interpretations of it. And I love seeing that. Yeah. It's been great. Well, again, thank you so much for your time today. It was great to chat with you. It was. Thank you. I had so much fun chatting with Joanna. She has such an interesting perspective since she has experienced the quilting industry in so many different ways. The April 2024 issue of American Patchwork and Quilting is on sale now, and you'll find the designer challenge with Joanna and Allison Glass taking on the weather vane block. 
In this issue, you'll also find a new quilt along that starts February 29th. It is the quilt on the cover, and it's called Heart of the Home and was designed by Sherry McConnell. The quilt showcases hearts, stars, and houses in the center of log cabin blocks for a whimsical take on a classic design. It's an adorable quilt, and we're so excited to get started on this one. You can find the pattern in this current issue of our magazine, but it's also available to purchase separately as a digital download or a printed pattern. Electric Quilt Company has sponsored this quilt along, so they are offering the download for this project for free if you have EQ8. You can audition fabrics and play with color before starting your quilt. If you don't have EQ8, they are also offering a special 25% off discount for our readers and listeners. And this discount is good through April 30th, 2024. Find all the information on the quilt along and EQ8 information at allpeoplequilt.com slash heart of the home or check the podcast page for the link. We're heading to QuiltCon this week, so follow us on Instagram as we'll be posting photos and videos from the show. Search for All People Quilt on Instagram to follow us. Until next time, wishing you creative and productive time in your sewing space. all and thanks for listening keep in touch american patchwork and quilting is on facebook pinterest and instagram at all people quilt email us at apqpodcast at meredith.com resources for this week can be found at allpeoplequilt.com slash podcast and if you love the american patchwork and quilting podcast please subscribe on your favorite podcast app for free and don't forget to rate and review the show it helps other quilters find us Have a creative week.